All right, good afternoon. If you guys can find your seats, it'd be great. We are definitely under a time constraint, so we don't want to keep you guys over long. However, we don't want to interrupt the good conversations that were going already. feel like this was worth it. Uh, just to hear the conversations that are happening with people meeting people that they've known have been in church. Uh, but there's something about separating and uh, making intentionality uh, and how beautiful and precious it really is when we uh, take time out of our, our busy lives uh, in order to be intentional. So if you want to uh, join with me, we're going to begin with prayer. Father, would you, would you wash us right now by your grace? Would you extend the time that we have? We bless you for the children downstairs that are the fruit of marriage, the fruit of life. And would you strengthen the workers that they'd endure well in this time? Let it go by quickly for them. And let, it go, let this time go by quickly but slowly for us, that we'd engage and bring out all the goodness that you have for us, that we'd entrust ourselves to you. Jesus, we are not foolish enough to think that we're coming into this unscathed. We know we have wounds, hurts, questions, and we pray that we would submit and surrender all of it to you tonight, that we would be in your will, in your plan. Bless marriages today. Bless those that are intending on getting married. Strengthen marriages, not those that are just here, but those in the entire church and those in the entire churches strengthen marriages. Let us be the light that you've called us to be in the midst of this generation. We love you and we trust you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I really love it that everybody's here. Uh, for those of you that may not know us, this, uh, my name is Samuel and this is Madeline, known as Sam and Maddie. We'll just rock that right now. You probably all know us. That's probably why you're here. Uh, but um, we're going to do an experiment and the experiment, why we're at tables right now isn't to kink your neck, uh, is because we, Lord willing, we're going to have conversations. So I want to set out a couple parameters and then we're going to play a video uh, Isaac worked so hard on uh, that we would, uh, you get to hold this, that's for you. Excellent. Okay, so first things first, uh, we are, um, we are going to just let you know right away, uh, one of the goals uh, in why we charge $35 right across the board for everybody, uh, including singles, singles are paying $35, is we're hoping that it would be uh, money that we'll be able to bless the workers with uh, and just really encourage them as they're young people giving up their time uh, and honor kids. Uh, but another one is we wanted to do a kind of a raffle kind of thing. So as you registered, your name will be put in a draw uh, and we're going to send one married couple out for dinner. If you're engaged, you don't get to be involved in the draw. If you're dating, you definitely don't, uh, but that's okay. <laughs> but we welcome you to be here. We welcome you to be here. Um, this is a marriage course, and it's marriage intentionality. So what we want to do with you is we want to invite, we want to invite because we want to invite singles, and we want to invite dating, and we want to invite like people that are questioning what's going on with all this stuff. We want to invite them into the conversation, but we are going to target this at marriage in particular, and we're going to make no apologies with it, but there are so many voices going on, and most young people know so much about so many things that we're not going to apologize for saying the way that God has intended it to, to be and to do, uh, and we're going to bring that out over the course of this time. I wanted to explain briefly about the book and why this book. 
Uh, this book, if you've done any reviews or you know anything about a guy named Mark and Grace Driscoll, Grace is his wife, uh, the, they are a fantastically godly couple no matter what social media will tell you. Um, they've been influential in my life in particular, uh, not because I know them, but because I've listened and read and really enjoyed their perspective. Um, if you want my honest opinion, I believe that what blew up in his life is a result of this book. Not directly because of what he's written, but because he took a step in the area of putting words out for marriage. I think lots of attack came. I think stuff in here is going to make you go, oh, did he really just say that? Some of this stuff, I really hope you throw this book across the room at one point. Just go, seriously? But at least the conversation will be happening. This is going to get, for both men and women, this is going to get a lot of things on the table. We are not, make sure you continue to encourage, we are not teaching through this book. In fact, I may not reference much of this book at all. We're not teaching a chorus per se where you're gonna have copious amounts of notes and we're gonna give you handouts and things like that. What we are trying to do is open up a conversation of intentionality that over the next five months, you would be intentional with the person that you are married with and that love would be awakened, that this would just be a time when we're gonna be praying for every single person that's on this list for this next five months. We're gonna give it to the intercessors to be praying in our church. We're gonna strengthen marriages and we're gonna be available with others. We're gonna be available for people to ask questions as we go. Because I believe, honestly, marriage conferences, they put so much money into it and it's incredible. And those things are absolutely wonderful. You guys just went to one, was it really good? Newly married, newly married guys, uh, this is in your first year, right? Still, almost second. It is your second. Anyways, there we go, keep going. They're, they're just, they're, but they're already investing in their marriage, investing in their marriage, which is an uncommon practice across the board. Even Christian couples think, why would you ever invest in your marriage? Why would you ever work on your marriage? People have got married in this church, their parents have said that to them. Why would you ever work on your marriage? Because it's a foreign idea. Yet we know, we know that nothing comes. Nothing comes your way unless you work for it. Everything that has value is something we have to learn. And there's almost this inherited idea that people should just be really good at marriage. And that's so not true. Most of us are really bad at marriage. Most of us, it's a learned process. And we believe in particular, Maddie and I believe that we want to serve and love marriages in particular in this way, uh, not because we think that we have more important things to say and not because we're trying to make money off this or not because we're writing a book. We believe that our marriage is defined, if you wanted one word, is probably defined in brokenness. We've experienced in a nutshell more pain than, than most couples would ever experience in a lifetime necessarily in our short little world because of the dynamics and situations that we uh, have experienced. And I don't mean to say that like, oh, you've seen nothing or I have more pain than you'd ever experience. I'm saying that I think the reason why God's given us such a heart for this is because we've had to fight for this. A lot of people look at our marriage and they go like, oh, will things like that just come easy for you? Or Maddie's personality is just so submissive and so wonderful. <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, like when I got married, I was loud and dumb. 
and, uh, and I still probably am to a degree. Hopefully not as dumb, but I'm still loud. Uh, and, uh, and, and so there's a lot of stuff. So we believe, and if, it, if it's fair to say that, he, here's, here's the gig. I wanted to be really vulnerable with you right from the start. Um, this is gonna, we already know this is gonna cost us a lot. I've lost friendships for the type of stuff I end up teaching in marriage. But then I've been around them later that the stuff that we've told them has changed their life. So I'm not saying, what, you're, what we will explain to a degree some of the stuff, it's probably some of it's a lot to chew. And it doesn't, you don't have to instantly agree. You don't have to instantly go, I agree with that. We want to share, we want to open it up, but we know it's going to cost us a lot. We were silent for years about marriage and about our marriage in particular because we had so many hostile comments coming towards us. People would flat out call me a liar for stuff that I would say, and I'm not intentionally, I'm not trying to lie about anything. I'm not trying to exaggerate even a hint. I want to offer, it's, I feel like we've found stuff, Maddie and I in particular, we've found stuff, and young adults that are in our church, we've found stuff that is precious treasure, and I feel like I would be being foolish if I didn't share it. Does that, that make sense? But do, please, don't think, we're not trying to sit here as, as experts. You'll notice even the tone of the way we're going to teach tonight a little bit uh, is not going to be, I'm not trying to convince you, and I am not making an argument. I'm not making an argument. If I was, I'd do it differently, okay? And if, and if, if we don't like the format that I'm going to do, and you want to challenge how I arrived at these things, I would love to play that game with you. And I would love to show you how I'd make those arguments. I want to I just offer it like this. Does this make sense? I want to offer and we want to look at what scripture says. And let's get upset with scripture. Let's look at our marriage as the marriages that we have. Let's look at them with real glasses and real insight as to what God has for us in that. Uh, and so this is literally, we are trying to serve Here's two, a couple battles you're going to have right off the bat as well. Um, is, uh, is, is a, there's a, a phrase that Jesus says in all four Gospels. It's one of the only things he says in all four Gospels or the only things recorded. He says a prophet is not accepted in their hometown. So we have to, am I calling myself a prophet? No. But what I am saying, what I am saying is this, is that it's very difficult to accept things that come from your hometown. A lot of you have grown up with me. A lot of people know who we are. You've seen our lives. It's difficult to accept things. So rather than, rather than just go, oh, that's just Sam and Maddie, why don't you look at it and go, could it be true? And don't instantly run away with, well, I, this works for us, so it's always worked this way. I think, I think my heart would be that when I'm, I'm 75, hopefully we're, we're still married and alive together, but when I'm 75, I still want to be learning. And if younger people have something to say, I want to listen. I want to evaluate all the time. I think that's the only reason why. What we're speaking from is years and years and years and years and years of evaluation. This stuff's way easier to preach when I'm preaching in other conference places. People love to, because they don't know who I am. They're like, oh, that's amazing. I just love it. And they bring you out, fly you out for it. They're like, teach us, teach us. Here it's going to be like, hmm, why $35? <laughs> Are you trying to pocket all that cash? <laughs> and, uh, and so we're going to have to train our hearts. But here's the other part, is I want to train our hearts to honor each other. We're around a table. 
there is so much rich wisdom sitting across from you right now. Single people have wisdom into stuff, even if it's annoying. <laughs> like, usually it's, it's, usually it's people that don't have kids that are the best parents. Is this okay? Too far? Yeah, or want to kill them. So it's all good. So. They, but, but no, no but, but hear this though. It, it, if you always let, Billy Graham said this one time. He said, turn your critics into coaches. Turn your critics into coaches because what he realized, he was criticized more than most people on the planet for all that he did. Everybody, even like people still criticize him. He, what he would always do, even if you get assaulting letters, he'd look for the 10% that was true. He wouldn't tell them. I'm just going to look for the 10%. The rest of what you said, 90% is wrong. He would just, he'd go, okay, interesting that you'd say that to me today. And you have enough wisdom and humility to go, okay, I'm going to listen. So I want, I, what we want to create, and we'll create it over time. This will be a time creation, if you will. We're hoping you'll connect with people with other marriages, like in this church. You'll connect with each other. Because marriages need to be strengthened and you need people to walk alongside of you that will strengthen you as you go and you will strengthen them. So we're hoping this will be an exposure time that by God's grace, the people you chose to sit with, even if you think you were choosing, probably God ordained it in that way, right? Acts 17 says, Acts 17 says God plunks us in the very places that we live. Except last time I checked, most of us thought we moved to the place that we lived. It's my worst scripture when it has to do with Ben and Alana, but that's a side note. <laughs> God plunked you there. And so he plunked, just pretend he plunked you in your seat because I believe it's true. We're not going to move you. We're not going to try to shift it right now. And you don't want to sit there next week, next month. But what we want to do is, is actually look at the people across from you and go, I wonder how I could support them. Do not think right away, how will they support me? Look at how can I encourage them? Maybe you could look at the people across from you and go, you know what? We've been doing really good financially. Let's send them out on a date. That would be like one of the happiest things for a marriage. Can you imagine coming to a $35 marriage conference and then somebody sends you up for a $100 dinner? Yeah. Uh, wouldn't that be encouraging? If you could financially do it, what a great idea. If, you, if, you, if you're a, a young, responsible, wonderful, single person like, that's in this church, we offer to babysit some of these kids. Like that's a way you can serve. And in doing that, you're investing into the future of your life. In giving away the very thing you want, the Bible says that we receive it. And that's a bigger principle in marriage that defines a lot of what we have discovered as we go. Is that when you give it away, the very thing you think you are entitled to or you deserve, that's the thing we gotta give away. That's the thing that we got to go towards each other. And, and it might be an encouraging word or encouraging letter. It might be like, like Daniel Kramer is just the king at that kind of stuff. Just gives encouraging words all the time. And then he married Queen Encourager. <laughs> like I was like, hang on, you can't have that much encouragement in one home. <laughs> and you'll get to know them. And I'm not trying to isolate people and everyone's, what about me? I do wonderful. Th yes, you do. <laughs> We only have an hour and a half. <laughs> There's just so many wonderful, wonderful people in this room. And the goal is that you, we would mix young and old. The goal is that we would mix even, even older, newly married people with younger, older married people. 
Does that make sense? Just out of curiosity, how many people have been married a year? A year. Just, no, 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 sorry. Let's, let's, uh, you said, wow, that's great. Cause, uh, no, no, uh, um, just like if you've only been married a year, only one year. Okay, how about two years? Three years, just raise your hand. Four, five, five years. Raise your hands really high. Look at that, look at that. There's some of my favorite people on earth raising their hands right now. Just love it. Five years right there. Six, who's been six? Right back there. Seven? You're six or seven? It's all good. You guys seven? Seven years. Seven years. So guys, guess what? Guess what? Statistically, let's throw it out there right now. We need to pray for this. Raise your hands. Andrew and Sarah. Joseph and Sarah. Isn't that fun? Raise your hands really high. Statistically, they're in the season of what's called the seven-year itch. This is the time when divorce is biggest on your mind. That's a straight across stat. Can I just do stats for a minute? You just give me permission just for a second? You guys okay? Here's fun stats. I just want to, I want you to roll with. Because you guys have been, my parents have been, you've been married for 36 years, right? Those are my parents back there for anybody who doesn't know. 36? 37? 36 years? 36 years. Okay, let, let, watch this. Watch this really quickly. Okay? In the, if they say if you make it past the first two years, you're killing it. Just like you're already, you're on the road. The next, one of the next hurdles, and these stats are true across North America. The next one is year seven and it's called the itchy year. And a lot of people don't make it past year seven. So you gotta fight for it. But year seven is what you, what you call like a flag year. You plant it and you just go too bad. Like we'll kill each other. Just make it to year eight. Make it to your eight. Billy, Graham, Billy Graham's wife uh, actually said, they interviewed her one time and they said, uh, Mrs. Graham, have you ever uh, uh, wanted to divorce your husband? She went, divorce? No. Murder? Yes. <laughs> so year, between year, listen to how this works. You just stick it out. Listen how it works because you're nine to 14. You move from me selfishly to we. Do you know it takes that across the board? Nine to 14 years to move to a selfless marriage? Isn't that crazy? And so I said early on when we first started studying, I said, we'll wait till you're 14. <laughs> it's okay. Then if you make it to year 35, they actually say that you will experience the same degree of marital intimacy as your honeymoon period. If you make it to year 35, if you make it, and most people keep resetting like a video game as if it could ever be that easy. Oh, reset, reset. Oh, he's got to keep going. Make it because that, those are hidden treasures. I'm looking so forward. Most of the young adults that I walk with, I keep telling them over and over, can't wait till we all hit year 35 and then just text and be like, oh, baby. <laughs> That's all I need. So baby. We do that when we eat too many hot wings. <laughs> the next day we're like, oh no. <laughs> are we okay? We're having fun. So here we go. Um, so that, that, those are stats out there that we want to encourage. So we want to encourage Joseph and Sarah. And we want to encourage Andrew and Sarah uh, in their marriage at this time. And it doesn't mean that everybody isn't always going through hard things. Seems like we never, it never ends of the hardness of marriage, but it's worth it. 
It's absolutely worth it. And a couple different ways of looking at things would actually cause you probably to uh, um, view it differently uh, and be encouraged in a way for endurance. Okay? Um, so let's, let's play the video. Uh, let's just do that. If you want to draw your attention to one of the two screens here. Prophet Malachi, speaking of marriage, declares, Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit, and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. So God reveals through the prophet Malachi that he is uniquely invested in marriage. The Bible says that God made them one. Elsewhere, he uses the word of being joined together, literally glued, inseparable, that cannot be dissolved or be decomposed. In that understanding, we want to view marriage as being rooted like a tree, rooted and grounded in the love that God has for us. A tree doesn't question where it's been rooted or where it's been planted. A tree only is worried about its roots going deep. And in fact, bad things that happen to a tree only cause the roots of the tree to go deeper. Whether it's heat or whether it's cold, whether it's uh, wind or incredible storms, everything drives a tree's roots to go deeper. And the tree is always growing, always being rooted and grounded. And we want to be like that, rooted and grounded in the love of Christ and rooted and grounded in the love of each other. That unique love that only God can give. It seems like we have several options for marriage and only one of them is the option that we want to encourage. I see many couples that actually and sadly have a back-to-back -back kind of a marriage. Commonly though, we see marriages that are shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder marriage. Our goal for this is a face-to-face -face marriage full of connection, conversation, covenant, friendship, and love. That we would take on the posture of Christ and turn towards each other, serving and loving each other as Christ has first served and loved us. Here we go. Here we go. I'm turning myself back on. Um, so that video will be up on our Facebook group. If you haven't been uh, logged into our Facebook group, that's where we're going to put, uh, we're going to post uh, ideas as we go, uh, and we're going to uh, just try to make it a supportive five months, uh, and hopefully we'll have a nice celebration at the end. Uh, in fact, we'll be, uh, as a church, we're going to be celebrating uh, right uh, the Saturday before uh, Jeff and Emma's wedding right there. Do you want to give a wave? Very excited. As a church, we'll be celebrating that the day before, and then they'll be off on their honeymoon, uh, enjoying the fruit of that which hopefully we're working on right now. So uh, it'll, be, uh, it'll be very fun. Um, just by way of uh, just further explanation as we go here, um, uh, Josh, uh, Josh Hoffert had a dream, uh, and he shared it with me as we spent some time together, uh, and uh, we were praying about 
the marriage chorus and just different things like that. And I had a, an idea of where we were going to go first, uh, but I want to I explain um, something that I think was very helpful because of the dream. And it was word pictures, and I was going to draw it, uh, but my same friend broke my thing. So anyways, it just doesn't work uh, anymore. So um, side note, I... <laughs> Um, so let, let me just tell you, let me just tell you the context of his dream. We're not going to spend, it was a longer dream, so we're not going to spend time on it. Uh, but basically we were in this house and it was a, uh, a, a time when there was, uh, a lot of, uh, felt insecurity, uh, in their roles or their placement, like what they were supposed to do. It was a marriage kind of a conference attitude, uh, kind of a- atmosphere. Uh, and then all of a sudden wolves started attacking. This in this dream, this is all a dream, not real life. Okay, so wolves started attacking this this house and started um, trying to go through the front door. And so then Josh, with all the other types of married, there's different married couples in the dream and all that kind of stuff, um, said that we should we need to get our horses to move through the valley down this narrow area to this other place. And horses can often represent authority. But then there was a warning because there was also cats, big wild cats out there. Uh, And cats often can represent independence. And the big wild cats, actually, as we were moving the horses from one place that was being attacked to another place, one of the horses died. And one of the horses got killed by one of the cats. Uh, and then we, but we moved to another place. We made it through safely. It was narrow. It was kind of anxiety was all there and all this kind of stuff. But we were, we were moving through to go to a very special place. And then once we got there, it was this incredibly beautiful, fancy restaurant where new things were being discovered, where people were partaking and enjoying of the goodness and riches of this place. It was something just incredible. But then Josh noticed something else in his dream is that there was a competition going on outside. And the competition that was going on is there was a bunch of young adult men uh, and young, or older men too there, I think, uh, but they were taking logs and throwing them up in the air, just throwing these logs and they were making it into this big competition, but who can throw their log higher? Kind of like one of those Celtic games. And, uh, and as, as this was happening, um, uh, one of the per- people catapulted themselves with the log. Like, they just like took off in a, in a weird way. It's a dream, right? <laughs> so, so here's what we perfectly discern together on it, uh, is that this dream, uh, we believe it actually means uh, there's a, a, a new understanding. The horses represent authority. And so that there's false views of roles, authority, identity, and a tendency towards independence that will attack the very life of your marriage. And we need to lead through looking at the right understanding of authority. We need to lead that, we need to lead our marriages through to the other side so we can partake of the goodness. And maybe it was a warning dream to say that we couldn't start with the goodness, which is where I wanted to go first, but we start with Authority, start with what that looks like. What, is it, what does it look like to be married? What does it mean to be married in, in a role, uh, in, in our different roles, in our different complementary lives together? Uh, and, so, and also then at the end, here's, here's the warning that we felt at the end with the, the logs, is Jesus said, be careful not to like look at the speck in your brother's eye, but look at the log that's in your own eye, right? 
And the logs very well could be the very things that you're failing in. You start turning into a a competition or proving that you're really not as big of a failure as you think you are. So you take your failure and throw it up in the air or try to hide it from people. And so what we want is vulnerability. So I'm not asking you guys to be vulnerable right away. We'll start with that. And then you can see how awkwardly vulnerable we'll get. And then you guys can roll from there according to your level of awkwardness. Uh, but um, but, but what, what this is, and I hope that's helpful. I wanted to draw it out because it might have been more helpful for you to think about. Uh, is I think there's, there's a lot invested in this. I think that God is, as we read in Malachi chapter 2, God is uniquely invested in marriage. The Bible says he put his very spirit, a portion of his spirit in the union. That means that what has been created in marriage has never existed in human history before. So the same way that through baptism, Christians are brought through the waters of death and into resurrection life, participating in the fullness of Christ's life, In that same way, Paul says, we can't even look at people the way we used to look at them. We can't look at them with the same things that they struggled with in the past because they are new creations. Something brand new has taken place. And in the same way, that's marriage. In the same way, something brand new has taken place that God is uniquely invested in. So my favorite scripture still to this day is Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And I I think that's my favorite verse because I feel like Jesus tricked me into loving him. He just kind of surrounded my entire world with there's no other option. And and so I think that he he captured me and and he started that work and it's his job to finish it. I had to participate, but it's his job to finish. And so we're gonna we're gonna look at we're gonna look at this as best we can, and we're going we're gonna to wrestle with it, and we get a month to wrestle with it, and a month to look at some of these texts of Scripture. Uh, if you do have notes, you can take notes. We're going uh, to put it up on the uh, Facebook site as well, some of these Scriptures. So as we go, um, I really apologize, we have to explain so much as we go here, but um, what we'll allow is that Facebook will be uh, the Facebook group or thing that we have there will just be a, a source for reminders as to some of the homework and make sure you know that the homework will not be strenuous. It will not be overwhelming. It will be face-to-facing. That is your homework. And we're going to explain ways of getting to the face-to-facing. So I believe Josh's dream has been really helpful to me in particular. And I was glad that I didn't get the dream because it's, it's more helpful to listen to someone else explain it. Because I think that um, I think there's a tendency in our in our hearts to think that everybody else's marriage is working out really good, and maybe areas of their marriage are, but I don't think anybody has flawless marriages. I don't think anybody's just knocking it out of the park in every single area because marriage isn't a spreadsheet. It's not a checklist. It's a relationship with mood swings. And there's even a period at that point. <laughs> I think that's hilarious how Jesus did that. Like it's, 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 it's something that you have to learn. 
something you have to learn. Like I really, I believe like Jesus was playing a joke on me when he gave me four daughters. Cause I felt like at the time I was like, I'm still trying to figure out this one, let alone. I got four more, all their emotions and all their stuff. And women are so much more complicated than men, in my opinion. <laughs> I know women often think men are complicated. That's the secret. <laughs> We're just... You never talked to your father-in-law about this, did you? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, um, we'll, we'll have, we'll have um, time. So, so my hope and expectation uh, would be that if you're going to participate in this course, um, that you would, you would be reading the book at some level, together or separate doesn't hurt my feelings either way. We have a whole month to kind of get it going. Read a page, throw it across the room, read a page, say, I like this page. You'll have lots of that. I don't know. It just depends where you're coming from. See, because I also know, and I have to be really careful how we do this, is that there's a lot of pain, a lot of justified pain in even the topic. Justified pain that actually, if we could spend, I, like I've often thought about just doing a marriage conference, we just do a healing conference of all the wounds that you've experienced and encountered. But I believe this time around, we will declare things about marriage and we will listen to the wisdom about marriage. But be very careful, be very careful to be quick to throw a log up in the air. And here's what the log would look like, I think, one of the logs would look like. It's when we get across the table time and we get to encounter for you to instantly say, well, Mark Driscoll said this, but I think this. I think that's throwing a log up in the air. It's not a competition. And it's, you don't need to put something down in order to bring something up. You can share an encouragement. Please do. But be very careful to err, your, especially if it's about what I've just said. Be careful to err at this table right away without talking to me first, what you disagree with in the moment, because we all listen with jaded ears. We all filter things. We all filter things through the way we hear it, and what we have brought in, we, all, we will hear through that lens, and we know that happens. And that's why marriage often can be incredibly difficult. You'll say something to one person, you'll say, you'll say something to your spouse, and they will hear the exact opposite. And if it does something called a trigger and it triggers something of the past or something of the current, like a classic one in my world is, Maddie, um, how come this part's really messy here in the house? Classic. And then Maddie's supposed to look at me and go, because I did nothing all day. That's why it's messy. And we know that's not true. Because she, she was working super hard and then I'm so dumb. I go, what about this? Can't you fix that? Wrong idea. But now, they, they, I won't have time to explain it all right now, but, but, but there's still, there's ignorance about the way that I would come into the home at that point. But she might hear it as me not just saying, hey, like, honestly, the way I am, the way I would work it is I'll clean that up. I'm just wondering, is there a reason why it's super messy right now? Just got to, I had to learn how to say it properly. And that's not the right way to say it either. <laughs> But, I'm at, but, uh, but, but it can trigger, it can trigger, well, the kids were really ex exhausted today and I was running around today and I was doing all this stuff today or blah, 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 blah. And it just continue, like it can trigger things. And so we just don't hear things right. 
Matt, like, like one of, early on in our marriage, uh, and, and even still, Maddie has a big thing about when she makes food for me, especially if it's hot food, I need to come right away. But there are times, even to this day, where I don't actually hear food's ready. Or, Sam, your eggs are on the table. I don't hear it. Like, it's God is my witness. I didn't hear it. <laughs> and then I'll go, Maddie, is the food ready? And then she's crushed by this time going, yeah, it's been ready for like half an hour. Oh, like, why didn't I'll say, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> I did tell you. It's like, I didn't hear. Do you see how, how weird it is? It's crazy. One of, uh, I spent time with a, a long-term marriage counselor uh, one time uh, and um, just interviewing him. How did, how did you walk through things? Some of the best advice he said uh, to me uh, in, in, for pre-marriage counseling and, and other things like that, um, and just marriage counseling. He said, it's often the littlest things that compound into bigger things over time that start the biggest fights. And he says he, he counseled a couple at one point that were so upset at each other at the way they handled toothpaste. Now, don't react to the toothpaste. React to what's your dumb thing first. Because here's, here, here's what it is. Here was their issue. And this totally would have been an issue for me if, if Jesus didn't. Never mind. I'll leave it alone. Um, the, 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 one, the man actually wanted the toothpaste to be completely in a line, exactly perfect, no, nothing over the little crest and all wiped and all nice. Toothpaste in a, in a perfect little thing and rolled and folded, right? That's what he wanted. And the wife liked to go, <laughs> right? And it caused fights. They were almost done because then it was everything else. Then it became me versus you. And so, well, you're going to do that that way. Well, guess what? I'm not going to tell you when the oil light comes on in the car. <laughs> oh, man. Or it's like, no, that's dangerous. Like, and, and then it's like, you all want, like, there's all these things that it compounds into. But it's, he peeled everything back and it started with toothpaste. And you know what he said to them? He says, why don't you buy Two toothpaste. <laughs> I was like, that is rocket science. <laughs> Two toothpaste. So the husband can have his perfect one and the wife can go. <laughs> what a great, isn't that not a great idea? So someone once said, major on the majors, minor on the minors, yeah. right? And a lot of what we're going to say, and I'm trying to preface enough stuff at the beginning so that we can hear this properly, a lot of the stuff we're gonna end up saying and, and hopefully saying to each other as well, it's gonna be stuff you know, but it's all stuff we need to be reminded of. Several epistles in the New Testament begin in this way. Hey guys, I wanted to talk to you about this, but I gotta remind you of the very thing you already know. Is that not exciting? If it has to happen that way in the Bible, Surely it has to happen this way in marriage. So I'm not looking to wow you necessarily. Some of the stuff might wow you. Or, but, the, but I'm not looking to do that. We're not trying to impress and, and create this little speech. I want this to be very interactive and relational uh, and invitational so we can come together in this. So that being said, there'll be scriptures posted on the Facebook site that I'd love you guys to read together. Does that, does that make sense? Because you know what sneakily and secretly will happen is you'll have couples reading the Bible together. How many people have ever heard that scripture? If one of us can put a thousand to flight, two of us can send. Great. Isn't that not fun? 
If you want the historical facts, actually 6,000. But anyways, that's side note. <laughs> Sorry, not unimportant. Um, but, but you can put more. You can put more to flight, ideally that way. Uh, and so when we are, when, when you're reading scripture together, something's happening in the atmosphere. And it's the hardest thing. Do you know one of our largest struggles growing up uh, in marriage together, and I would use the word growing up in marriage together intentionally, is to pray for each other. There are so many young adults in this church that have killed it with praying for each other. I hated it. I felt stupid and dumb and I couldn't do it. Pray for anybody else. I could prophesy for anybody. But when it came to Maddie, she's like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. I feel dumb. I feel like she's listening to me in a weird way. And it, all these insecurities would come because the enemy brings in insecurities. Someone once said that interestingly enough that Satan didn't show up in the Bible till after Adam and Eve were married. Interesting phrase. The idea is that there's a lot of attack that comes on marriage. Marriage is one of the most highly contested things. That's why the identity of marriage, the definition of marriage, the reality of marriage, the opinions of marriage, everybody has their own idea of what marriage is. And we want to let our minds be transformed by scripture because God is uniquely invested in this marriage. Is that not exciting? I think that was one of the most encouraging verses that I ever came across in the Bible is that he, and I'll read it again for us together, says this. Did he not make them one with a portion of, their spirit, of his spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. Let none of you guard yourself. That's the admonition in this. Guard yourself. If you're going to step into this journey of marriage uh, and step into this journey of working on your marriage, it's going to be difficult. You might have some of your best fights in these five months. The ones that you're just like, oh, remember that one? <laughs> you might have it. And what we try to, what we try to encourage pre-marriage couples with is that it's not about not fighting in marriage. It's about learning to fight really well. Learning to fight really well. If you remember Trevor McPherson, he taught me at one point, he said he's never had, an, like he's never had a fight go devastatingly wrong in marriage when he had the guts or his wife Judy had the guts to just declare in the middle of the fight, Jesus be glorified in this situation. <laughs> it's incredible. Like just the idea of bringing, because his spirit, he's invested into this. Can't hammer this home enough. I want you to meditate on what that looks like. It's going to be one of the scriptures up there. What does, it, what does it mean for his spirit to be in the middle of your marriage? Yes, his spirit dwells in you individually, but that, there's something of unique importance of his spirit dwelling in the midst of your marriage. That means he is gluing you together. Not just that he did it once and then he left you on your own, He's in the midst of it. He's in the midst of it. And he wants you to do well. It grieves him when you're separate. He grieves him when you're turning from each other. And that whole analogy of a back-to-back -back marriage, when you're turning your backs on one another, <laughs> that whole idea of that, when we were looking, when, when, when we just referenced that in the video, 
is that back-to-back marriages are couples that have turned away from each other. They're living separately from one another. And in fact, they start living hostile to one another. They start doing things to intentionally mess up the other person's schedule or life. Or, and those are those marriages that you just walk into the house and it's like, oh, oh, that's not okay. But, the, but most couples settle for a, a side-to-side marriage where you work on things together, shoulder-to-shoulder, where you're supporting each other, you're loving each other to a degree, but you're usually loving each other in the middle of your work. This is why this shoulder-to-shoulder idea is why there's a lot of divorce when the kids grow up. Because they went, well, you know what? We're not, we don't know how to work on our marriage. We don't have resources to work on our marriage. And so we're just gonna continue on in this way. And we're just gonna pour ourselves into our kids. And as they do that, they get further and further and further apart, even though they're working on the same thing together. These couples still can be serving in the church, looking like they've got a great marriage. But the intimacy, the face-to-face is not there. And that's the part that we want to encourage, that you would work together on your marriage. There would be shoulder to shoulder, but that more importantly, there would be face to face, which would be friendship, commitment, connection, love, intentionality, face to face. And where I looked at this uh, was that in, um, it's actually in Numbers 12, seven to eight, Paul, uh, um, not Paul, uh, Moses writes, that God reveals himself to the prophets in dreams and visions, right? Dreams and visions are really popular. We got a dreams and visions guy right here. That's the way he reveals himself to prophets. But then he writes with Moses, he speaks to him face to face. And in the Hebrew, when I was studying that, it's actually mouth to mouth. You imagine having that relationship with the creator of the universe where his breath is your breath and he's investing that kind of revelation into you. Just overwhelming. And it got me thinking, and I'm gonna show you how I got there. It got me thinking, if that was God's relationship with Moses, and the New Testament says that we're supposed to have a greater glory than even Moses had. And if God's love for, God's love for his church is actually depicted as marriage, and God's uniquely invested in marriage, I wonder if that's one of those secrets of the way marriages were always supposed to work, is the face-to-face, mouth-to-mouth. And that doesn't just mean sexual intimacy. That's deep connection. One of the homework challenges I wanna offer to you is actually to try kissing each other with, for one minute without doing anything after so just to, to actually spend enough, time it, put a little timer on your iPhone, a little alarm clock will go off because everybody thinks it's quicker than it is. And you just begin. We did this for the first year of our entire, like our whole marriage. The first year, we just kissed for a minute. It's so awkward. Can I just like let you know? It's so awkward. And some of you might not be at that place yet. You might have wounding in your heart and you go, I don't know if I can do that right now. And we want to we wanna love and honor your journey in that and pray that God will bring you to a place where you could. But it's weird because the things that'll go through your head, the laughing you will do, it's hilarious to try. But you do it, you will connect in a very unique, interesting way. I spent time with a, uh, a PhD in child psychology, a child and family psychology, uh, and was showing him some of the stuff I was researching uh, on, well, just some of the stuff I was researching and he loved it. 
And then he added to my research in ways that blew my mind. Because of course, he knows. He's like, whoa, have you ever thought of this? I'm like, ah, no, I love you, thank you. But here's this, do you know that you create a physical bond if you hug someone for 20 seconds? Do you know that? A physical bond. That there's, there's all these chemicals that are released, but one of them is oxytocin in particular. It's a bonding agent where oxytocin is released the most is at childbirth for the mom towards the baby. Oxytocin is released in enormous ways and in breastfeeding. Oxytocin is released continually so that there's a bond between a mother and a child that is unbelievable, but it's chemically driven for the most part that way. It isn't just that moms are better, like more in love with their kids than their dads. It's just driven that way. And so when we, we looked at this, one, one thing is that um, skin to skin touching really matters. And so dads, I always encourage dads in particular, just because it's a married kind of conferency thing, to rock their kids without a shirt on because it's skin to skin. Keep the rest of your clothes on, feel free. Just saying. <laughs> but, but skin to skin, rock them with that way because you actually create a bond. It happens whether it's skin to skin, but this doctor friend of mine actually said, no, this, it works way better if it's skin to skin. That's why breastfeeding is like incredible, just incredible, God's design. And so this idea of, of even hugging for 20 seconds. So if you can't kiss for like a minute straight, why don't you hug for 20 seconds? Time it, because it'll feel long. If you want to be real risky, go 30 seconds. But, but here's the developmental thing. Don't go to be intimate right after. Do it at a different time. And we'll, we'll, on, on, on the third month, we're gonna talk mostly about sex and the healing that can take place and all the stuff that's gonna be the, the session. And never mind, leave that alone right now. The, um, so so in, that, in that reality, there is something of simplicity of connection. And the simplicity is hug for longer than just a, hey, I love you, honey. Try it with like a, like, hang on, hang on. And, and don't, you don't have to be weird with it. Don't hang on and start going do, 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 do. <laughs> or if you can't see what I'm doing, I'm slowly sliding down. Don't, just, just hug, hold. Be encouraged to do that with your kids. But do it in a way, and so the only way that me and Maddie could do this early on in our marriage is that we'd, I'd have to do it right before work because I have to go. <laughs> There's no option. Otherwise, I'd be late and I'll get fired. And like, and, and that was before I ever became a pastor because I could probably be late and not get fired if I was a pastor. That's no, I know. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but we want to we look, look at what it looks like to get connected face-to-face to each other in, in those kind of ways and, and give, you the, give you the freedom that you might not be able to be at a certain level, but try somewhere, try somewhere. I'll tell you the homework right off. The one homework we are asking and begging you to do um, is, is that you would, come up with, you would come up with 10 reasons as to why you married the person you're married to. You would come up with, this came from my, my dad. He said, I really love the church to do this if those that are involved in the marriage conference, uh, uh, um, a course. 10 reasons. You do it separately. 10 reasons, okay? 10 reasons. And then your face-to-face time is to get a coffee together sometime between this time of the month, like between this time. Get a coffee together and sit 
with eyes locked, as awkward as that could be, not eyes down and up, like just, just if you need to look for a second, come back, but do, say it. Because if you wrote it, you can probably say it, right, without looking. But you're going you're gonna to do face-to-face. It can be across a coffee table. It can be at, across a couch at your own house. It doesn't have to be going out. But you're going to read the things to your spouse before next time. Okay? Does that sound fun? Isn't that an easy one? Like, well, no, maybe it's not easy. might be hard. Can I, can I just take something off the table really quickly? Um, there's a thing called Google. Okay, does everybody know that there's a thing called Google? Okay, wives, I have a personal favor to ask you and whether you want to do this or not, feel free never to judge your husband for going on to Google to get ideas about dating you. Feel free never to be upset at them. Feel free to never get mad that they did research. I have talked to so many people and I will never tell you a story from someone in this church, just so you know. I have more people that I know and more people that I counsel than just in this church. I've grown up in this area. I know a lot of different people and they, they, they come to me still to this day, even though they don't come to our church, which is a big issue of mine, but that's a side note. <laughs> but, but let me tell you, let me tell you, I, I, I have, I've spoken, Maddie and I have spoken to wives of husbands that their big issue isn't toothpaste, it's that their husband went on Google to research something about a date and it wasn't really his creative idea. Can I... Now you say, oh Lord, I love it. No, it's good. But can I, can I take something off the table? Not everybody can play guitar and be super creative. Some of us are dumb as rocks. <laughs> like we, we do not have a creative bone in our body, but you know what we can do? We can recognize something good when we see it, right? Let them recognize it. I don't care if they saw something on Instagram and they saw Shad and Heather going out on a super cool date and they're like, that's a great idea. Text Shad, Shad, where'd you go? How, do, how did that work? Uh, how do I get there? Boom, mine. Honey, you want to go out? <laughs> did you come up with it by yourself? No, Shad gave it to me. Let's go. Right? Like, does it really, it's not a competition. Right? That's the log thing. I just, like, sorry, I get passionate about that, but I'm telling you, I've had, like, it's a difficult thing, and it's happened too many times for me to ignore. There's a subtle discontent. But that's, that's so silly. Jesus isn't discontented when we sing psalms. We've never written to him. In fact, he seems to show up really powerfully when we sing songs we've never written to him. He doesn't go, well, that wasn't very creative. <laughs> what do you have to say? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> right? Just like we need to love the person that we're married to. We're married to. And unfortunately, all the TV shows and all the stuff, the media, everything, it's, do you know the, the agenda out there is to get you separated? Do you know there's, there's a thing called the divorce lawyer? Do you know there's enough money made in divorce that they can be called a divorce lawyer? It's a big deal. They, everything coming at you in the media, nothing is coming at you to strengthen your marriage. They're not going, please stay together. Stay away from all the toy stores and stay away from all the, these media resources and stay away from things like Fifty Shades of Grey. They're not saying that. They're saying, come, come, come. Your marriage isn't good enough. Your sex life sucks. You need to get more of this. That's what everything is saying. Everything is saying that. And we want to stand and we want to go, no, here's what Christian marriage says. And here's what we want to we enter into. 
here's the thing across the board, just to be encouraged as well. Still across North America, still straight up stats, came from Oxford University Press, 2012. Best sex comes from Christian married couples across the board. And that's not just Christian married couples, that's practicing Christian married couples. Practicing on all levels, but side note. <laughs> just to be encouraged. Just to be encouraged. So can, can, I just, can I do that? Because there's, and whether you know what that, I'm not trying to give something airtime, but do you, just so you know things like Fifty Shades of Grey and all that kind of stuff that's coming out there, romantic type novels, the pornographic industry, all those kind of things, they all want to challenge you that you're not having good sex. But if you are a Christian and if you are having sex, you probably have better sex than most people out there. Too far for you? Because I have no awkward level. To me, I, I, thought, I would have thought somebody would say Amen. Amen. <laughs> Preacher, Amen. Pour on the gravy. Pour on the gravy. Come on. <laughs> you know, early on in Awkward, Awkward City, um, the, uh, before Maddie and I were married, uh, we, we knew a lot of couples that would go to premarital counseling with my parents. And all of our friends that went there said, boy, your parents really give good sex talks. <laughs> so I got healed of that even before I got married I'm like oh, I guess we'll just deal with that you know <clears throat> okay so how are, we, how are we doing okay so face to face mouth to mouth we're moving on with time here we will not if, if you want to stay a little bit after just to give you a heads up um, I will finish on time 100% uh, but we won't get the connective time after unless you want to stay for a little bit. Now, I know it's dinner time. You got your kids downstairs uh, and we have snacks, blah, blah, blah. We're just going to work this as best we can. Uh, and I apologize it took so long this way. If you could try to get here maybe like 10 minutes before four, that would be helpful for the next time so we can start right at four. Because uh, I really don't want to rob time of the connecting this way afterwards. So you'll get it. So we just get in and we'll, we'll start rocking it really quickly. Uh, and I won't have to explain so much the next time. Uh, and in fact, um, the next time, just to give you a heads up as to what's to come, uh, the next time, uh, my parents are actually going to give a little bit of a teaching on what it looks like to serve your spouse like Christ uh, and what it means to, uh, as, a, as a husband and what does it mean to be a, w- a wife that way and to constantly turn towards each other in the action of service, which we depicted as washing each other's feet. Just really quick to give you a heads up about that. Um, there's that unique, unique act that Jesus does uh, right before he dies, and he says to his disciples, do this to each other. But again, I want to say, how much more in marriage? If we're supposed to do it in Christianity, how much more in marriage? And it seems like in in most marriages uh, across the board, there's this, this subtle tendency that we're waiting for them to make the first move. We're, making, we're waiting for them to say, hey, I need you to do this or I need you to be this. Or, but everybody seems to wait and it almost is like an eternity. You just have to start the conversation. You got to start going towards each other in action and in service. So with that being said, if you have Bibles, uh, why don't you turn to Ephesians chapter five and we're going to do something that might be suicidal, but we're going to try. Ephesians chapter five. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present to the church 
present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Excellent. Okay. And so, Father, even now, we just pray that you just give us grace in these last few minutes that we just hold on to things you want us to hold on to. A couple really quick things that I'm unfortunately not going to be able to develop as much as I wanted to, but I still feel I need to kind of just like hold it out for you to look at and walk in, uh, is that there's some really, really special stuff. Side note here is that right before in uh, verse 15 of, of chapter five, it talks about that in Christianity, we're supposed to have this mutually submissive life. But then all of a sudden he jumps into marriage and then there seems to be this order of authority or order of events. Now, this has been abused beyond anything you could ever imagine. And this actually, historically, has been used to say that men are supposed to have authority over women in general. That women are supposed to submit to men just because they're men. And that's dumb. Like just to be, be really encouraged, that's retarded. That's not true. It's not by definition of manhood that all women submit, but there is a understanding of something the Bible calls headship. And headship has to do with primary responsibility. Headship doesn't even have to be who is the best leader in the house. Do you know that? How many people have ever, don't raise your hand, but how many people have ever met super women leaders? Like just super bosses that are, are, they're like CEOs. They're people that make my head personally spin. You're like, wow, you can do, you can multitask me on anything you can imagine. There, is, there are people that are phenomenal leaders that are women. And so this is not saying leadership equals being male. This has to do with something far deeper and far more encouraging. And I believe we wrongly look at this when we look at the marriages that we have currently or the marriages that we've seen or what seems right in our own eyes. Remember, that's a very dangerous thing that our forefathers, Adam and Eve, especially Eve, decided to do what was right in their own eyes and we got kicked out of a super cool garden, right? So whenever you go, well, I think, remember who you're echoing. When you say, well, I think, or it seems to me, Right. Does it seem to you, Eve? Yes, it does. So here's, here's this. Do you know that here, this is, this, in this passage here, and there's several other passages, this deals with our gender identity crisis because Paul is not arguing culturally. Paul is not speaking culturally. He goes all the way back to Genesis. He goes back to the beginning as God's original order of creation that is also echoed by Jesus that says man should leave a father and mother, cleave to his wife, hold fast to his wife. I'm gonna be very aware of time here. And so, so marriage goes back. And so Paul reveals just in this little bit here, you can look at it later, that God, when he created marriage, had Christ and the church in mind. 
When God created Adam and Eve and brought them together in marriage, he had Christ and the church in mind. You see how he's uniquely invested in marriage? And Christ and the church are supposed to be a picture of marriage. And most of the women in here could submit to Jesus. Amen? 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 That's what we're looking for, is we're looking for men to be like Christ and love their wives like Christ, which is a, a initiative role. The Bible says that God didn't wait for us to turn to him, right? He went and he came. That love didn't open up in our heart till he first loved us. Okay? Therefore, marriage is a picture of the church and church is a, supposed to be a picture of marriage. And both need prayer. Both need effort and work. And so this, this idea of authority and headship isn't independence. It's this constant going towards each other in daily actions. And we'll post, because we don't have time right now, possible daily actions that you could take. Ways that you can serve each other in initiative love. But just, just highlighting this really quickly here. This, there, there's this phrase that says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up to her. I gave himself up for her. There's this laying down your life that husbands are charged to do. But we're gonna see briefly that wives aren't supposed to wait till their husbands act like that. They're supposed to take initiative in a different way. Okay? Can I, can I just give you that real quick here? Okay, here we go. So someone once said that, that headship is the unique leadership of a man in the work of establishing order for human flourishing. Okay, let's just unpack that real quick. The idea of that is, is that headship is the unique role of leadership of a man that's gonna establish human flourishing. So what it is, isn't this top down, you better listen to me, you better submit to me and everything. Like there's a super famous pastor in this White Rock area uh, that actually said at a marriage conference to thousands of people said that there was, um, and it made Maddie very angry, that basically what submission is in a marriage is that husbands have 51% of the vote and wives have 49%. And Maddie said, some things I won't tell you what she said. <laughs> because that's not the point. That's not the point. If you were a guy and you married some super rich girl or somebody that was a super boss at work and she just made way more money than you could ever dream, you still have a headship role in that world. You still have a headship role to create like a gardener human flourishing, to make sure that your wife is flourishing in every way, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. It is the male's job to cultivate like Christ does with us. Amen. We get down on our knees and we pray for them. We love them. We wash their feet. We go after them in pursuit and in love, and we do it like a gardener. In fact, the word husband or husbandry is a word for gardening. Everything about marriage relationship could be broken down as a gardener. Everything, including sex, because sex is called seed in the Bible. You actually are seeding your wife in the Bible. 
And actually, the more that you have sex, just side note, the more that you have sex, the more that you actually connect together and you create this incredibly unique bond that can only be shared in that way. And that just isn't the amount of sex that way. It's the, you, it's the, I gotta leave that alone for now. Can't go there. <laughs> April. Yeah, here we go. So let's, let's just do this. Almost done. We're doing really well. Can I five, five minutes overtime? Here we go. Here, just, oh, here we go. Okay. So this, this is what it is. And let's just take this off the table too. In Genesis 2, if I had time today and I was gonna show you and maybe we'll have to do this later at another point. But Genesis 2, when he says that God created woman for man, he gives woman the identity of his very self. He calls her a helper or a help meet, help mate. He calls, it's, it's a word called ezer in the Hebrew. And everywhere else in scripture, it's used of God's relationship to us. Is that not cool? That is elevation of a woman's status. It's this complimentary thing that where I am deficient, my wife that God gave me will help in that area. And here's the unique capacity. You don't have to look at your current status in marriage and go, maybe I married wrong. No, you didn't, because God invested himself in that way. And he is our Ezer. And he says, no, this is my Ezer for you. She will learn to be even more of an Ezer as you serve and love her and garden her and make sure she flourishes. I think that looks like we need to, we need to as men, make space for our wives to pursue dreams. We need to make space for them to run after things. But I also think it looks like vice versa. I also think that wives need to help husbands move into their calling, move into the things that they're gifted with. That's why you exist. It's why you exist. And let me tell you how. And so far to this day, I've never heard anybody talk about this. So this is just here that you'll hear it. Okay? In all my study, and you might, you might have different things. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11 really quickly here. And I'll, I will close with this. Is my, oh, it's just my favorite. It's going to print it out here, so. Um, huh? No, it's good, yeah. Okay, Hebrews 11, verse 11 to 12, here we go. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive when she was past the age since she considered himself faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as as numerable as the grains of sand on the seashore. Okay. So, here we go. Really quickly here. First Peter 3, bear with me. First Peter 3. Likewise, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even, hear this, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won over without a word by the conduct of their wives. When you see, when they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be the external braiding of the hair or the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing that you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with imperishable beauty of gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very 
precious. For this is how the holy women of, who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, make themselves beautiful this way, by submitting to their own husbands. Everybody wants to know why Maddie is continuing to get more beautiful every year. People that she's grown up with. I think this is a part of it. I think there's physical realities to this. Just side note, but won't go there now. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Careful with that one. I'd need time to explain. <laughs> Though I have to say, when I read this verse at one point and we were married, I was like... Didn't go so well for me, though. <laughs> Actually, my mom slapped me, so that was good. So. <laughs> and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you in the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Okay? Really, really quickly, this I promise you. Really quickly. The Bible says this in Hebrews about Sarah, that everybody calls Abraham the father of the faith. And he is in his response to God. But Hebrews writes that in order for Sarah to receive, for, or in order for Abraham to receive his promised child, guess who had the faith? Sarah, it's in the text. It's in the scriptures. Sarah was the one that caused her husband to fulfill the promise that God gave him and did it in an incredibly beautiful, potent, and powerful way. This says it in scriptures over and over. This idea of, of 1 Peter saying, wives, submit to your husbands and do it in a gentle and quiet spirit that they would be seen with your respectful conduct. That was actually going on in history at this, at this time. It was actually going on. That because, oh, I wish I had time for this. Because, because there, was so, there was so much stuff going on that that wives all over the place began to transform their homes. And that's why elsewhere scripture records and takes away the fears of godly mamas that are living with ungodly men, of godly mamas that are living with ungodly men, the fears that their children are unclean or unloved by God. And that's why in scriptures, I could show you later, it shows that there is, that they're clean. The children are clean if one believes. Is that not precious? If one believes, that's a shout out to single parents as well. If one believes, children are clean. So this actually took place. This was not some, they're writing to a church that's actually dealing with this. And it isn't just that they're married to non-Christians. It's husbands that aren't obeying the word. And this is what I want to offer you. You can say your thing first. This is what I want to offer you. Okay. If you want to read it, you can explain it, whatever you want to do. Okay, I was just, when I was praying about all of this, like, what is our role as wives? Like, if the man is the initiator, but what if he's not initiating? Or what if, like, when it says, like, if he's not obeying the word, so how do we respond to that? But then, so, I felt like Jesus was saying, like, you go deeper into your roots, and that's where he is. And so, how, 
we're supposed to respond to the call of husbands to love us as Christ loved the church. So we know what that looks like because we've seen Christ already demonstrate it. So we go down into our roots of the love that Jesus has shown us and everything that he's done for us and all the sacrifice and the faithfulness and the devotion to us. And we respond to that knowing, like we see past our husband's actions and respond to what Jesus has already done. Is that good? Very good. So do you see, because this is what Sarah did. Sarah, it was not abject submission to her husband's authority. It was not, that's not what Hebrews is saying. That actually what the Bible is saying about Sarah in particular is that, that she submitted to the promise of God. Amen. The promise of God. This is a bigger deal. The way that headship works, if I could draw it out, the way that headship works is God, male, the man, husband rather, not male, and wife. There's a order. And it isn't this pyramid scheme or anything weird or hierarchy, weird words that cause pain. It's responsibility. And it's the way that it works in the kingdom of God. And so the onus is on men to rise up into the responsibility. But women, you don't have to be the Holy Spirit to them. You don't have to say, you gotta do this. You better fix this. You better do this. Or, well, I'm just gonna wait for you to figure this out. Or tell your girlfriends, oh, my husband's just the worst. No, we go alongside of them. Like what women are to come alongside of their husbands as a helpmate, a helper, and bring them into a place. And so submission is more to the promise of God when the husband is not obeying the word. You'll find it really easy. You'll find it really easy to do what the Bible calls in submission. If I had time to explain it, I'd do more. And I apologize if it's, this feels like a bomb to a degree. But you would, do, you would find it really easy to submit to Christ. And I believe that the first foundation, because marriage is a picture of the church, were to look at how Christ loves the church. And I'll put those study scriptures up for you to look at as well. How Christ loves the church. And that's how we as husbands are to love our wives. Amen. And if you do it like Christ, that's good. But if your husband does not obey the word, even if he's here, he's not obeying the word. There's a better way. There's a better way than nagging and there's a better way than you rising up in your own authority or your own independence. There's a way of submitting to the promise of God because thousands of women since the time of Jesus have done so and it's a historically proven fact. It's awesome. That the Roman government toppled actually not just because of immorality but because Christian ladies transformed pagan men. Amen. I wish you could explain more about that. But with that, we'll pray and we'll let release us to go since we went five minutes over time. So yeah, um, and, I, and so I do, so we'll, we'll unpack this more. Uh, and I know this is the first shot at it, so we'll uh, get a little more orderly as we go. But hopefully this is as clear as mud uh, that you'll have to seep through and work on. And uh, remember to look at Facebook for your homework. Please do your homework. Um, to do your homework. If you don't have Facebook, find somebody that does. And if not, we'll just send you an email. You can be an exception to the rule if you so choose. Um, uh, and so helpful, helpful if you wanted to. They're not long chapters and it's not crazy stuff to do in a month. But if you wanted to set a goal for doing the first part of this book, is, that would be fantastic. It's the first five chapters 
Uh, you don't have to get there. The only two that I would, I would ask that you do is the first two, but feel free to do that whole section because it's in two parts uh, in the section of the book. And I'll put that up there later just so that we can make it through in, in, in uh, five months together at a good, healthy pace uh, and spend time on things that Jesus wants us to spend time on as we go. So, uh, and again, we're not teaching from this book. This is supposed to be help. Uh, and so, yeah. <clears throat> Father, I, I just thank you and I pray blessings on the marriage. Uh, the marriages that are here right now. Father, I thank you and I'm so thankful for some of the longtime marriages that are here. Very honored that they're here and I pray that we all would make it so long. That we would not just look at the, the life that we have right now and be frustrated with where we are. I pray blessings on the singles in this place right now. Blessings on those that are hoping to get married, that it's their dream. Father, that we would, we would stop looking just for the right person and we would look at being the right person. That we would look at uh, seeing the life that you've given us and be godly in every respect. We love you and we trust you with our lives. We pray you protect the conversations that will happen after and that you would breathe life and hope in the midst of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah.